3: It's Candace and Kayla,
1: and we are directionally challenged. Oh, yeah. We thought we'd have it all figured out by the time we were in
3: our 30s. But surprise, we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> but that's cool. That's right. It's cool. It's all good. It really is. We are owning it more and more each episode. <laughs> so, Kayla, what
1: do you think exists in outer space? Like, are you into space at all? Like, I feel like maybe... There's been an evening where maybe we've, uh, we'll just call it had a few cocktails and uh, talked about like what exists out in the world. I feel like everyone ends up having an alien conversation in their
3: friendship. We've definitely had one. Right. I mean, there's got to be some sort of extraterrestrial life up there. It's not something I've explored. Do I believe in it? Yeah, sure. I believe that we aren't the only beings on this in this universe. Um, But I forgot. What do you believe? That too, i forgot. Yeah, on the same page. there's got to be, there's got to be something <laughs> right? out there. But like,
1: I'm not like trying to go figure out what is out there. You know, anyone that's like, I want to live on Mars? No, thank you. Yeah. Like that mm-hmm. sounds like a very long trip. Seems very stressful. I don't know if there's humidity there. It's going to wreak havoc on my skin. I just <laughs> like packing alone would be stressful. I like if you had the chance. To Especially with all this like billionaire space travel talk that's been going on, right? If you got a free ticket, like the Dutch, like 18 year old guy did, like in your parents, like, by the way, I, I got this ticket to go to outer space and be like the first person on this, like, fun commercial space trip. Would you go? like
3: today, like as Kayla, right, you're, you're I, married, you've got a child. Would I would, would go, you go? Absolutely. I would go I, in a heartbeat. Yeah, I, I I, definitely would do it. But it's not something I have been seeking out. But if the opportunity came to me to go to space, especially as a female, I would do it in a heartbeat. You would do. I think no, you would too. Really? Absolutely not. No way. I will not go
1: bungee jumping. I will not go skydiving. I will not be shot up into the sky in this like little thing that I grew up in Florida where I watched the space launches from our dock. I grew up on a Lake and in, in Orlando. And so you could see them from Cape Canaveral and it was beautiful. Wow. Like it was actually like part of, living in florida is you'd Mm -hmm. see it on the news that they're gonna you know some space shuttle launch would be happening that night and it would look like this like roman candle like you know one of those fireworks except it just keeps going and it's just this like glowing candlestick just going and going and going forever until it just like disappears into the sky and it was just like this big fire just it was wild and you could hear the sonic boom every time it would re-enter the atmosphere wow i mean at school they would always announce like everyone today please be prepared there will be a sonic boom so please don't be alarmed so this is a significant part of your childhood yes and also part of the reason there's no i will not be traveling to space i will not be buying a ticket like i am fine here
3: (laughs) send me a postcard I understand the idea of seeing Earth from space and how terrifying that would feel. But I think there's so few times in life when you feel so small as an individual. And that is that experience magnified to the utmost. It it, it just would be a fascinating experience to live. I'm fine here just going to the NASA (laughs) center and eating
1: my like freeze dried ice cream and my space (laughs) dots. That's an experience within itself as well. That's where I'll be. Uh, Guys, we have such a great episode today. We are so excited. And you're probably wondering, why are you guys talking about space and space travel right now? Well, if you watched um, a couple months ago, the historic space flight of Jeff Bezos, his privately owned company, Blue Origin, launched into space on July 21st, 2021. Um, And if you were watching this, you probably heard a name being repeated over and over. And the name was... Not just Jeff Bezos, but Wally (laughs) Funk. And maybe you heard that she's 82 and she was officially going to be the oldest person to ever go into space. But that is not what makes her so special. You know, with all the talk on this whole which billionaire is going to get to space first, we actually wanted to dive more into the roles that women have played in the original Race to Space back in the early 60s. Because there's a little bit of story that you might not know about. And we found it pretty fascinating and we think you will too. So
3: today we're going to be speaking with Wally Funk's biographer, Sue Nelson. Sue Nelson is a fascinating individual. She's a historian, a former BBC science correspondent. She makes films for the European Space Agency. She is the author of several books, including Wally Funk's Space for Race, On the Road with the Forgotten Pioneer of Aviation, which is the winner of a 2019 Sir Arthur Clarke Award. She also co-produces Audible's The Space Race, which won 2020 New York Film Festival's Radio Gold Award award. Sue is a phenomenal individual. Do I want to say she's going to take us through? Do I want to call it a history lesson? I think you
1: should say, get ready for our out of this world conversation.
3: <laughs> so get You're ready. You're going to be over the moon. <laughs> <laughs> so get ready for our out of this world conversation with Sue Nelson. Anything else you want to share, Candace?
1: Blast off. (laughs) 10, 9, 8, (laughs)
0: 7, 6, 5, 4,
1: 3, 2, 1. Let's do it. Sue, Sue Nelson, we are so excited to have you join us today. Uh, I just want, we just want to jump right into it. When you saw the successful space flight on July 20th with Wally inside, what did you think? What were your feelings?
0: Huge, huge emotions. I was so thrilled, so happy, but also on the verge of tears. So I was that sort of quivering, sort of <laughs> 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 it's great. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so I, I was I was a bit of a mess, <laughs> but oh yeah, overall thrilled.
1: Well we want to jump back. From the very beginning, and we would like you to educate us and our listeners, who may not really know much about women in space travel and uh, the history or history of um, of years past, and and why we should care, and why we should be crying and laughing and smiling and feel all the emotions when we see Wally Funk up in space. Um, so, if you could bring us back to you know the late fifties, early sixties, the the race for space. Um, you know and and maybe introduce us to uh what was going on at that time uh you know between a little bit between the US and Russia but more yeah. importantly what was going on with uh finding with the US finding astronauts and and people to put up into space
0: well the early 60s was a time when even though it's hard to believe now that in in the western world Most women in terms of their jobs uh, were very traditional. They were either on the whole, this is obviously a generalisation, they were teachers or um, nurses or secretaries. Most often they were expected as soon as they got married, if they did have a job, to give up their job. Uh, it certainly, if they got married, often they were just fired from their job. <laughs> you know, that was it. That was the end of uh, of your career. So it was a very different time, which makes the accomplishments of the so called Mercury Thirteen even all the more extraordinary. Because at a time when those were the sort of occupations that were generally considered, you know, the right ones for for women, these women were all pilots. And so they were already doing something that was totally atypical for for women and and their careers. And that had been sort of boosted a bit by, uh, well, a lot by the Second World War, effectively, because the US, a bit, you know, exactly like the, the UK, in that when a lot of the men went to war, the women were suddenly found access to different careers because there weren't the men around who traditionally did them. And for a lot of these pilots, it meant that they could, for instance, be test pilots or they could ferry planes from one airport to another. Uh, and so it, it gave them an extraordinary sort of Philip and, and uh, kudos as, as well that you had all, all these women around. And so a lot of them were members of WASPs uh, from from that period, but the Mercury Thirteen themselves, they were all going about their business. They were, you know, working as pilots, working in different um, occupations and facilities. The youngest, Wally Funk, was a the uh, working at Fort Sill military base in in Oklahoma as the first civilian female flight trainer. There, she was in her early twenties. Now that. Again, that in the early 60s is just like, wow, sort of thing. Some of the the women pilot had um, tested smart bombs and things like this. They'd done one, was the first um, crop duster in the United States. Hmm. A lot of them had done aerial acrobatics and and all sorts of things, you name it. And a call had gone out for women pilots to take part in a voluntary programme called Woman in Space. And it was led by a guy called Dr. Randolph Lovelace, Dr. Randy Lovelace, who also was chair of our life sciences committee at NASA. And he had helped sort out all the rigorous physical tests for pilots, male pilots who eventually made up America's first astronauts who were called the Mercury 7 because there were seven of them and that included Alan Shepard and John Glenn and all those really famous well-known names. And you only if you've seen the film the right stuff or read the book, then you know these one this wasn't a simple you know, case of having your blood test taken and sort of <laughs> see how many miles you could jog. These were very intrusive, demanding tests that tested their physical uh, capacity to to the extremes. They had to do things until they dropped because no one knew what space would be like. So that's why they sort of went over the top effectively.
1: And but all of these tests were done essentially to... It, it was Dr. Lovelace decided, OK, we we need to figure out who would be best to put in space. So obviously they were testing men, um, but he funded this was a separately funded test that he was doing um, to see if women, you know, their physical capabilities, because at this point it was just what did they put in space at this point? they, they monkeys. animals, monkeys. <laughs> monkeys. So yes. th- it wasn't like a. They wanted to see who was going to be most capable to be in space, and a lot of this was also because he was, uh, you know, famously friends with Jacqueline Cochran, and so um was so inspired by her to to see you know women's capabilities in this field. But so just to really highlight that, like he believed in these women, and it was separately funded.
0: Yeah, it was independently funded, no NASA funding at all, and Jackie Cochran had been the first pilot, female pilot to break the sound barrier. She was she was married to a millionaire, but she was also a millionaire in her own right because she ran a really successful cosmetics um, business. So she had tons of money. She was too old to apply herself because the cutoff age, it was between the age of 25 and 40, I think. And um, she was sort of in her 50s then. But she did put her own money into supporting these tests. And Lovelace, as you rightly say, you know, he he tested the man found out that the men could do it. And being a scientist, you know, what do scientists do? They always think, oh, I I wonder if it would work on women too. You know, I'm sure women could do it. And he got his first um, first sort of test subject to do the whole lot of tests, Jerry Cobb. And she not only passed, but her test results um, were in the sort of top, you know, she... 10%, 10%, you know, I think it was It was probably even higher than that. But I think her test results were higher than most of the men.
3: I think after the very third phase, it was the top 2%. That was it. Of, yes, of yeah. the, Um And that's for men and women. That's yeah, Jerry Cobb absolutely. specifically. Um, yeah, but what a woman. Oh, what a woman. All of this <laughs> testing was done behind NASA's back, correct? All the testing on no, the women? No, it wasn't, oh, it wasn't
0: behind NASA's back. It just wasn't anything to do with NASA.
3: Okay. Yes,
0: it had... You know, Randy Lovelace had these sort of a foot in both camps because he'd done the NASA, he'd done the tests of testing of the astronauts and had devised most of the tests for NASA, but this was separate. But yes, it would, they, he used exactly the same tests in exactly the same place at the Lovelace Clinic in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And, you know, no, there was no sort of, if anything, the women had slightly more tests because they also had gyne- gynecological tests. Which
3: I'm so happy well. you brought that up. I wanted to ask about that. What that to me, when I read that, I laughed out loud because I thought, what would what's the point of that? Why does a woman need to have a gynecological <laughs> test to travel to space? <laughs>
0: who knows i mean they thought someone's heart would explode when you went into space which is why they made sure that people didn't have heart heart conditions um yeah they 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 were completely in the dark so they were just going for you know any anything that would possibly um happen and in fact you know i've spoken to lots of astronauts about their testing since and And also, um, you know, space physicians who specifically work for space agencies. And when they see the sort of tests that these, not just the women, but the men went through in the 60s, they just go, whoa, (laughs) you know, (laughs) that's a bit over the top. You know, they, they don't need to do. Some they recognize, you know, some they said, oh, oh, yeah, we still do that one. But yeah, the really horrific ones. No, you didn't. I mean, gosh, what, um, you know the, the women and the men—they had these barium enemas, and and uh, you know they would make them physically collapse through through exertion. Checking. So yeah, no, there's there's no way that they would when they would do this as, as a sort of have everything yep. up on a matum, I think if the expression was in terms of where those tubes went.
3: When reading about this history, it's just so inspiring to see Dr. Lovelace come up with the idea that, yes, women can do this too. Let's test them separately and put them through the same tests as men, especially with the mentality yeah. that our world was at in the 60s. Um, and then it heart- breaks your heart when you continue reading, because you realize that it was completely canceled. Funding was canceled. Can you yes. take us through that experience as a whole? Yeah, well, the, the of the women of the female
0: pilots that took the test, 13 passed, which is why they weren't known as the Mercury 13 then. It's only now in hindsight because they did the same test as the Mercury 7. They're known as the Mercury 13. They were delighted the 13 that had passed because they'd done exactly the same as as, as the men. And many of them did believe they would be going into space when they were doing the tests. And I've had several of the women tell me this before they died. Um, you know, 10, 20, I, I met four of them in total while they were uh, alive, including Wally, who thankfully is still <laughs> still alive. And they said that, you know, the when the um, staff and the nurses and doctors were with them and they were doing the tests, they would talk to them as if they were, you know, they would be going in, into space. This was like a first step, even though, yes, they knew it was a voluntary programme, but they were pretty sure this was where it would give them the potential to be considered as an astronaut. And a lot of the funding was sort of uh, in kind. It would be bases, military bases in particular, who would offer their facilities through the connections primarily of of Dr. Lovelace and Jackie Cochran, to a certain extent, they would say yes, you can use our centrifuge, or yes, you can use this and you know this piece of equipment and test the women. And obviously, Lovelace said yes. Here's here's my um, here's my clinic. Come and you know come and do the test. The weeks worth of eighty six or eighty seven tests at my clinic. So when they did lose. The funding, um, basically, I mean, it's too long. It's so sort of detailed, really, which is why I'm doing a broad brush stroke of it. I think they sort of got a little bit, um, not scared, but a little spooked by the fact that, oh, it was women um, doing it, and then all of a sudden the offer of their facilities was was withdrawn. For some of the women, it was. Well, okay. Some were quite cynical and thought, "Well, okay, there you go. You know, we were obviously too good for a lot of the the men. That that's 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 us. Put back back in our box. I'll get on with my career as a pilot. I'll, I'll carry on with what what I'm doing." Um, others were devastated. You know, just were were really. It really knocked them back, and and they were incredibly upset by it. Some were really indignant and and bolshie, which I sort of love about Jerry Sloan Truehill, because she told me when I met her, you know, well, some, some of the women had lost their jobs in order to take those tests because they wouldn't, they weren't given leave. So they had to leave their jobs. She said, I know some women lost their jobs, but I was the only one to lose a husband because, <laughs> because her husband had given her an ultimatum, you know, you go do their tests. It's either those, test space or me and she chose the tests and returned back to her husband to divorce papers wow. so it did have a very you know personal effect and Wally sort of uh did she went trump she 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 called it a good old boys network but she is very sort of you know doesn't tend to look back at, at things and thinks okay right well she went traveling for three years around Europe um But not all of them gave up, you know, Janie Hart and Jerry Cobb. Janie Hart was the eldest of them. They tried to go the political route to force NASA to accept female astronauts.
1: But before we get to Congress, because I think that is like, even just reading some of the transcripts of of the words that were spoken um, (laughs) and why these women were rightly so upset, I really want to highlight, you know, not just that, of course, these women participated in these tests and they were very rigorous and they were very difficult, but just how well they um, came out the other side. I mean, I, the very famous story is um, of Wally, who there it was it's a deprivation tank, essentially, correct, where um they they, you were meant to lay in a tank Um, if anyone's done like a float pod thing it's like that but times 10 and back in the early 60s where you're laying in this like dark tank of water and they were just told to stay there as long as possible which sounds simple but
0: it's not Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a reason why isolation is used as a form of torture as a form of punishment, because it really it, its biggest effect is 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 mental, rather than physical. When you are in a an isolation tank, Wally said that the air temperature was the same as the water temperature, and it was similar to her body. So she said she couldn't feel the difference between the water and the air and her body, and she said she had to sort of sort of tap her skin to try and, you know, sort of remind herself that, it you know, she, she could feel something. You've got a soundproof place, a very dark place. And after a while, it does play tricks on people. Some people have been known to come out after a prolonged experience like this, basically babbling incoherently or sometimes extremely distressed. You know, they can burst out crying. They can, you know, beg to be let out. So it sounds so simple and you think, oh, I've had a busy day. God, I love a few hours in a, you know, an isolation tank. But it, it does do weird things to people. And which is why before they go in, they would ask everybody loads of questions, Uh, in terms of their family life, what they did about their career, you know, everything. And then when they came out, they would ask them the same questions again to see whether they weren't, you know, how disorientated they were, what was going on in their brain, whether they could remember certain things. And, And it wasn't a done deal that people would give the same answers or could even remember the things when they came out. For Wally, that wasn't the case at all. Basically, she had to be dragged out of there, <laughs> not the other way around. They stopped the test, not Wally. And um, so she was quite surprised when, you know, they said she said you lose all track of time. And uh they, they came, you know, got her out and she'd spent 10 hours and 35 minutes in that tank and had to be put So she could have spent longer even she answered all the questions that she'd been asked before exactly the same no difference she hadn't, in fact she was quite indignant about it. she said i haven't forgotten this you know <laughs> of course i know which church i've gone to you know i i know all that um and she had, she beat the men and, and the women, which is quite extraordinary. And you can understand why they did that test, because the last thing you want when you're sending an astronaut, and, and if you look at, you know, we're used to now, if you look at the the relative freedom of, of like the space shuttle in, in the past, or the recent, you know, Blue Origin fight, or Virgin Galactics, or, or, or Dragon Capsule, they're relatively luxurious compared to a mercury capsule, which when I first saw one for real, I laughed because it was so small. And it also takes your breath away because it's, it just, it literally that Bowie song, you know, a metal tin can. It does look like (laughs) a shuttlecock shaped metal, a tin can. It looks terribly fragile. It looks so claustrophobic barely any room to move. So you can understand why they'd want to test your psychological suitability for space by doing an isolation test. Because if you're going to be orbiting the earth in one of those things for several days at a time, for instance, you know, you don't want somebody who's suddenly going to freak out when they think, oh my goodness, I'm here on my own. I'm in this outsider space. I could die. You know, you, you need, you need to find that out before you leave the earth.
1: I think the other frustrating part was that they were very clear in the fact that they had a height, they had a height cut off for the men. Like they wanted you, someone who was at a certain weight, who also physically was smaller because of exactly what you're describing, what this capsule was like. And, um, and so the fact that like, Here were women who were actually smaller and Mm -hmm. lighter, and less fuel, less fuel, less fuel, and they just completely, um, even though they they scored wonderfully beyond gender, it was just capability scored wonderfully. So that's why I just wanted to highlight that not only Mm. did these women complete the test, but they were exceptional at it and physical physically. More um, want desired,
0: desirable to be. In terms shot of the pass rate, the pass rate for the women compared to the, the the number of men that took the test and the percentage that passed, and the number of women that took the test and the percentage that passed, the pass rate was higher for the women. <laughs> which, which leads blows us to Congress. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> which, which blows away immediately the uh, the argument. If you were going to take it on merit those women had the right stuff.
3: Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute.
2: Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden
1: Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me.
2: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today.
3: It's time to get more in 2024. I know for me one of my goals is to feel really strong this year. And honestly, so far so good And we're back.
1: So which brings us to July of 1962. We've got Jerry Cobb, Janie Hart, Um, Janie Hart, who not only was a badass female pilot in her right, uh, but a mother of eight children. Can we just like acknowledge that? Eight. (laughs) Eight, guys. And um, her husband was a senator and she decided, you know what? No, we're not going to take the slaying down. We're, this isn't right. And we're going to put up a fight. So Janie and Jerry, um, took their case to Congress, um, after the Pensacola tests were canceled. Um, because basically the the women had completed all these tests, but there was supposed to be another round of testing through NASA, correct?
0: Uh, not through NASA, no. Okay. There was just like a, a final phase. But it was compared to the tests that had gone before, they were, you know, ones that the women would have just sailed through. The really difficult ones were the ones that they'd passed.
1: But they were cheated out of that experience. And then all of a sudden the whole program kind of went away and it was pretty obvious that they were not going to be included in the opportunity to go to space specifically because of their gender.
0: Yes, yes. I mean, I think it is, I think a lot of people are really surprised when they find out that NASA didn't admit women into the astronaut corps until the end of the 70s, 1978, with the call for astronauts for the space shuttle and the first woman was american woman wasn't until 1983 with Sally Ride because the russians got valentina tereshkova uh, 20 years earlier 20 years and i think that i th- i still find that shocking mm-hmm. that um it took nasa so long obviously they've made up for it <laughs> since then that they it, they did take so long so it was a huge political coup for, for the Russians. But also, I, I, I don't think, I, I can't give, I was going to say I can't give too much praise for the, to the Russians, but I can. But mm-hmm. what, I, what I mean by that is that I also feel as though it was slightly tokenistic, because if they were mm-hmm. serious about equality, why did they not pull another woman into space for another 20 years? It was almost as if being there done that. Mm. So we, you know, we don't have to do it. So actually, another uh, Russian woman didn't didn't fly until just before Sally Ride's flight. So of course that was a little bit of you know fingers to the nose, pulling a little funny face and saying, "Nah, nah, we've now put two up." You know, you're just putting your, your, which was uh, Svetlana Sevenskaya. So, uh, so yes, it, it I it is astonishing that they wouldn't admit women. There were reasons that they could give quite. Um, you know, one was that, well, the women didn't have jet flight experience. But actually, that was a catch-22 because in the 60s, women weren't allowed to fly jets. (sighs) And even so, quite a number of the women could fly jets because these weren't the sort of women who, if they were told, no, you can't do that, would go, oh, okay, then. They they'd gone and done it anyway. So several of them had had jet training and had flown jets, uh, including including Wally, in fact. So um, you know that that was a, a sort of I would call that a technicality. If 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 a group of people are banned because they can't do something and they don't have that qualification, that doesn't stand up as as far as I'm concerned.
3: And do you know what specific reason the women were given, as far as? I mean, did they just come right out and say it's because you're female that's why we're canceling this program, or was there a specific reason? No, they were it meant? was
0: it was the funding. If they couldn't do the 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 rest of of you know the final bits, that was as far as it went. In that they proved, obviously, they proved that they could take the tests and they could do as well as the men. And so, technically, in a way, it was very good. It was proof of concept, really. It was proof that well, women could be astronauts. They wanted to take it to the next level. NASA wouldn't admit women, so it where could they go they they couldn't take it any further which is why they tried to go through the congress route janie hart was married to a senator so that route would you know was very would have been very familiar to her and if you you know look at some of the reasons and i looked at some of the newspaper reports at the time of, of what was said during that day. It was, mo- it was more your sort of 1960s attitudes that were in the way. And John Glenn famously said, you know, uh, having a woman in space was against the social order. Um, so it, it's an attitude that thankfully he did change later on in life. And I love the irony of the fact that until Wally went into space and you know, got the as now the oldest person to ever fly into space. That record was previously held by John Glenn. So I think there's a certain you know, poetic justice in that, uh, that 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 happened. But he wasn't the only one who felt that. Um, Jerry um Sloane Truehill told me that um there had been there was someone from nasa who had said they'd rather send monkeys into space than than women now i couldn't i tried everywhere on newspaper archives and where have you to try and find where that was said but several of them insisted no that was definitely said but i i couldn't find proof of that but to be honest it wouldn't surprise me if if mm. that was said because that was very much the attitude at the time i interviewed chris craft the sort of legendary uh, flight director for NASA, and he was so rude about Valentina Tereshkova. <laughs> he was basically saying, "Ah, oh, you know, I wouldn't have sent her up into space. She was a basket case, and you know, all, all this oh. sort of stuff. Mind you, he was also rude about, um, I think it was Scott Carpenter. I mean, you know, he's quite a blunt, <laughs> plain mm-hmm. speaking uh, person. Um, but yeah, it, it it very much was a sort of know your place attitude. It's like, you know, how dare you think of, of trying to do this? It's like, no, 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 no. You know, you, you stay in that little pigeonhole. Thank you very much. So it was a it was an uphill struggle for them.
3: And even still, Wally continually applied to NASA,
0: correct? Yes, she did. Well, what she did that was different, really, to what the other women did was that, I mean, Jerry did, obviously, Jerry tried and janie tried to go the political route and what have you. And Wally just didn't let go a bit like uh, a sort of a football player who who might not be in the A team but still keeps match fit so that if they're called up at any moment they could go that's sort of what wally did in that she kept she kept fit. She kept looking for opportunities. She also then went, um, she found out what were the missing tests, first of all, what tests hadn't she done that they were going to do. Oh. And then she contacted the facilities that wouldn't do it and said, if I come down, will you let me do it? If I do this, will I? And so she took all the remaining tests, but by herself, which sort of echoes in a way how she took the test because The men, for instance, the Mercury Seven all did the tests as a group, so there was a lot of encouragement and camaraderie um, to help each other. The women didn't. The women took the tests, but like Noah's Ark, two by two, group of two that go. Wally's partner, who she'd never met before until you know the day of the tests, pulled out after a few hours, just said, "No, I don't want to do this." And so Wally actually took her tests completely by herself, all by herself. No one to you know no one also doing the tests to 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 help her along um so yes it's quite fitting that she she did all those the rest of those tests by herself plus she kept on with her aviation career but also would try when an opportunity came along uh, a travel channel said you know would you like we'd like to do a documentary would you like to go to um you'll get to do some cosmonaut training well, of course, she, she. who wouldn't? She said, yep, yep, I'll do. So she managed to get some training with cosmonauts in Russia, paid for by, by someone else. She, so she just managed wherever she could to get, ensure that if anyone was to say, have you done this, but have you done that, she could say, yes, I have. The thing she didn't have, though, was the engineering degree. And but who, John, applying to no, NASA, who, they needed it. Yeah, John Glenn at the time when he did the test, he'd he'd he hadn't finished his degree, so technically he should have not made the cut uh, because of that. But um, you can understand why they. I mean, let's face it, they made an exception to for Wally because of her age. So you can also understand why they made an exception for John Glenn, and he did then go on to complete his um you know to complete his degree
1: so how did the hearing in congress wrap up because essentially all of these women um carried on with their lives and you know obviously we know where this conversation is going of who ended up going to space but the reality is is all of a sudden space travel began to happen and and eventually women did go up into space and um but we did not see these specific women in space what was no. the-
0: no, it, it. I mean, in a way, I, I do feel that, I mean, when you look back at uh, the history of women in space, it does make me laugh. And I think if you don't laugh, you'll cry mm. at, at some of the obstacles that the women had to overcome. And also how, despite things like that happening with the tests and proving that physically they're absolutely capable of going into space... Just the fact that a NASA engineer asked Sally Ride, you know, said, had provided for something like her her mission to the, her first mission was under a week. And yet he was going to provide her with 100 tampons in case she had her period. You know, they, they it, it's really funny. And this was, you know, this was then in the early 80s. You just think people don't seem to have a clue about, Half the population of the planet that you share <laughs> this, this earth with, you know, it's like, really? Are women that sort of such a foreign land to, wow. to, to you? So, and also it's the way that, um, the different women have been treated over, over the years. I mean, even Valentina Tereshkova, she was, you know, on Life magazine. <laughs> Here's a woman made history, the first woman in space, she was just called a blue eyed blonde. Oh <laughs> my God. And a lot of the women were described that way in terms mm-hmm. of whether they and asked questions, ludicrous questions, which you can understand in the 60s. A lot of times they were asked questions like, you know, do you wear makeup in the cockpit? And um, if you go into space, will you wear heels? And you think, okay, it's the 60s. It's Mad Men. You know, you, we, we've seen it. We know what that's like. But then when you look at what goes on 20, 30, 40 years later, there are still, you know, women getting fed up of being asked constantly about what's it going to be like leaving behind your your family when the men were very rarely asked those questions Mm. or how are you going to do your hair? And um, Britain's first astronaut in 1991 was um, a woman called Helen Sharman. And she was constantly asked about whether she would um wear makeup about the clothes someone asked her in a press conference where she bought her underwear mm-hmm. um and said to her, oh isn't it terrible you know that and afterwards after her mission she went into space and she didn't even wear any makeup <laughs> it's just so it, these this sort of attitude you'd think would have you know gone the way of the mini skirt but it it just didn't. And to a certain extent, sometimes it still happens today. It's obviously got better. I think the last five, ten years in particular, I think a lot of female astronauts have owned it. And so, Mm. um, Karen Nyberg, for instance, an astronaut, she was so fed up of being asked, she's got lovely long blonde hair. She was so fed up of being asked, Well, how are you gonna wash your wash your hair in space? That in the end she took ownership of that and made a video about how she washed her hair in space. So, and I, I quite like the way that they, you know, say they've, they've taken control of the narrative effectively. But I must tell you about one of my um favourite ones. This was, I think, uh, in 2015. That was right. There were six female Russian scientists. They were so qualified. They were doctors, uh, you know, they were scientists, uh, psychologists, or had degrees or masters in, and PhDs in biophysics, you you name it, they were all doing a sort of simulated mission. So they remained on the ground, but basically it's a bit like a lockdown, a pandemic lockdown. You're in a place, you know, small set of rooms with just your crew to simulate. In this case, it was a mission to the moon. And the questions, I so say, this is only 2016, so it's, it's less than 10 years oh, ago. Golly. They were asked... Um, how they would survive the eight days without men, <laughs> how, because it's an all, all women mission, how they'd survive without makeup. Um, you know, one was, oh gosh, yes, the director, the director of the Biomedical Institute in uh, Moscow said, actually said to these hugely qualified women, I'd like to wish you a lack of conflicts, even though they say that in one kitchen, two housewives find it hard to live together. So it's just, got, and this was 2016. Gone. Yeah, 2015. Yeah. Oh, 2015. So, okay. Yeah. But you'd okay. think that that could be 1965, right? You uh-huh. know. So it it's still, let's it say that's what I say. You have to laugh, um, but yeah, but think you know strides have been making, but uh, made, but it, it still it still comes up to bite people in the butt, bite women in the butt. I think it's just <laughs> it's just ridiculous.
3: Hey, guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back in just a minute.
1: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.
3: Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig.
1: And we're back. Well, what's wild is also just the blatant erasure of just just women in general mm. and the historical parts that they've played. And it's like even women of color going back to Katherine Johnson, you know, the, <laughs> Absolutely. the very famous mathematician who was the key figure into getting astronauts to safely orbit the moon. I mean, yeah. and, and this was just, you know, the movie wasn't made that long ago, right. you know? No, and this is no. kind of, The first time i feel like wally funk being in the news is giving everyone this idea of like oh wait mercury 13 wait this is a chapter in you know history of space travel that we've all just completely missed and and uh so and and i know we were talking on the mic or before we got on the mic, that even just a few years ago, I think there was supposed to be a historical space launch of um, and multiple women, and I forget of, of why it was historical, but obviously it couldn't happen because there weren't enough space suits built to fit yeah, the the right female bodies. Yes, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, because yes, they're, 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 they're more large ones than the medium ones, and, and yes, these are, there are still things that have got to change. Part of that, of course, is because. You know, things last an awful long time in space as well. So something that I suspect if it was down on Earth would have changed a lot quicker than when something's up on the on the space station. But yes, no, it's uh it's it's surprising how times have changed, but also that's something that particularly I'm I really care about is women, women's history knowing what went on, what women did. And that's why those hidden figures stories of the mathematicians and the engineers and all the women of colour. I mean, I found out, you know, that there were Native Americans in the in the space programme. You know, it, it's all these stories are there. And all that representation is there. It's just that these stories have not been their stories have not been told thankfully they are now being told i tried to sell a book about mercury 13 in 1997 in the uk after i'd made a bbc radio documentary about the mercury 13 and that was when i'd first met wally and the uh, some of the other women and i was told by the publisher that no one's interested in women's history no one will buy it and that's what's so wonderful now. I mean, okay, it's 25 years to get there, but that actually people are now interested in women's history and do realise it. I describe it as I feel history books are lying to us. They're lying through a mission because they're not telling us the whole story. And I think a lot of these stories should be in taught in school should Mm -hmm. be in textbooks. I mean, Sally Ride famously said, you can't be what you can't see. Mm -hmm. And if you know and see that someone looks like you, was there doing the engineering, doing the maths. I mean, my background is physics. So, you know, I've I've got a science background and I was one of only three women who studied physics in my year at, at university. It's just fabulous when you find out that you're not unusual, you're not odd. Actually, there are loads of other women out there like you. It's just that we need to see their faces, we need to hear their voices, we need to know their stories, and that's why the 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 Bezos, the Blue Origin flight for me, it wasn't to do with Bezos. It wasn't even to do with. I just saw it as this is this for me is a woman's story. Mm. This is Wally's flight. This is about writing a wrong this is about letting people know about space history this is this is important and in fact i i got quite annoyed i mean i did loads of interviews at the time um about it obviously as a, as a result of uh, Wally Funk's race for space which was great because it felt like oh it's reintroducing an audience a new audience again right. to to a story but i one i got dropped by one network. I mean, bear, bear, bear in mind that I probably did about 30 interviews and only one dropped. but I got really annoyed, really annoyed and said, you know, don't you realise this is a really big story? You know, this is a big story and and it's, it is about women. It's not about billionaires, actually. Mm-hmm. It's about women. This is about history. And I don't think some people got that but I think after she came down and more people understood the, the significance of what she did,
3: 60 years waiting for that. I wonder how Wally and Valentina and all the other women who were such pioneers, everyone in Mercury 13, feel about the fact that Wally's first flight into space wasn't through NASA or any national program. It was through a rich billionaire's privately funded program. Have you had a chance to speak to her or anyone um, who's shared their views on that?
0: No, she's just. I. I. To be honest, I don't. Um. You know, I don't think she cares. Right. Okay. That. Good. I love that <laughs> you know? That's the answer. Okay, yeah. Good. I really don't think that's that's high on her priority mm-hmm. list. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was thrilled, obviously, with that out of the blue offer because she was waiting to go into space with Virgin Galactic and had spent 200,000 dollars of her own money and an inheritance from her parents and savings in order to get that opportunity and was waiting and waiting and waiting and when the pandemic came along i i was i was worried i mean who wasn't you know i just thought oh man this is you know this is not good um this is delaying things even further uh, you know the world's in a bit of a bad place this is is not not going to happen and when it found out and most of only her um uh, you know very very close friend uh, mary knew um uh, knew about it a lot of her other friends it came as out of the blue to us as to as to everybody else which is amazing because if you've you know, ever seen Wally, she's really, um, gregarious and chatty and, and lively and, and, um, uh, and, and sort of, um, we do share things in common. We've got lots of things not in common. Um, And lots of things in common. And one of the things is that we both don't have much of a filter. And if something goes on in our head, it goes and comes out of our our mouths. So the fact that she kept that quiet, I just couldn't believe it. That shows you how determined she was (laughs) to get (laughs) up there. (laughs) <laughs> that she didn't reveal the 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 secret so yeah i mean i haven't um i spoke to on the day of the announcement we've um we've been communicating via email she's had to unplug her phone for most of the the the, the time because uh it, i think so many people were calling i don't think she could just do right. anything so i've got a special time that i can call her now but unfortunately it's like the middle of the morning you know the night uk time so i haven't been able to to sort of call her when i know her phone will be you know actually Mm -hmm. there but i Mm -hmm. will get to speak to but yes i've 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 heard from her by via email and she's thrilled she just wants to get back up there as soon as possible Mm. she says she keeps dreaming about it she says my head is just in space so she's sort of reliving it and thinking about it again and again and understandably is just so excited and wants to get back and 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 go up again.
1: Mm. Well, Sue, you've taught us so much today about a part of history that not everyone knows about. Um, As uh, Wally's biographer, can you leave us just with one bit of what can we learn from Wally? You know, this exceptional human being and this the drive that she has. What what is what is something we can all take away from from Wally Funk?
0: I I think apart from the most Ludicrously wonderful name, Wally Funk. Hmm. Uh, I think you have to take away from her, her her character, her grit, her persistence, her optimism. She never gave up. She just didn't. And she's not perfect. She's, she's, which is again, what makes her lovable and and likable. You know, I, I had, um. I had a ball with her, you know, travelling around and everything. But you know, the woman won't wear a seat belt in the car. She she <laughs> she drives, she steers with her knee while she's looking for something on the back seat. You know, she's she she won't keep still. She got out I was parking somewhere once to get her some of her, her juice that she wanted, her cranberry juice that she wanted, and she suddenly spotted a store and I heard a sort of beep and I turn round and as I was parking the car, so this is a moving car, I was about I was going slowly to park in. She jumped out of a moving car because she's not wearing a seatbelt. And she was suddenly walking in front of the car. And I heard this massive thud like boom. And I thought I'd run her over. Um, you know, she's um she's one of a kind. She's sort of like Calamity Jane. She's she's a, 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 a the the sort of w- woman in any part of history where they, you can't keep them down. You can't keep a woman like Wally down. And that's what I think is the greatest lesson for anyone and and women and girls in particular, because there will be occasions when you are told, no, you shouldn't be doing that or no, you can't do that or you're no good at that or the boys are better at you than this. And you have to be able to take rejection. You have to be able to take setbacks. You have to be able to take people saying, no, you can't do that. And then what Wally proves is that you ignore all them and you go and do it bloody anyway. And that's why she's fantastic.
3: Sue this has been such an honor and so wildly fascinating and invigorating to talk to you thank you so much for all you have done within the research and sharing your biography of Wally and um sharing with us today and we're just so grateful that you took the time to be here
0: oh thank you and I, and um As you may have gathered, it's not a traditional biography. It's a lot of traveling and and, and remarkable things that she does. Somebody described it as like a Thelma and Louise. We're bickering a lot of the time, but (laughs) I think you do get to see what an amazing woman she she is and long may she continue.
3: For our listeners, make sure you go um, check out Wally Funk's Race for Space on the Road with a Forgotten Pioneer of Aviation available now. I mean, not only am I just so excited to be a female in this era and have been able to watch Wally go to space, I feel like it's just the first of many experiences that we're going to share and that our daughters are going to be able to share in. And um, I'm so grateful to Sue for taking us through all of that. I learned a lot today. Did you love this stuff?
1: (laughs) Yes, this is and I I cannot encourage you more. If you were inspired by this episode, just do like dive into learning all about Wally Funk. Jackie Cochran. Oh, my gosh. What a badass. Like, please give her a Google. Sally K. Ride, Dr. Mae Jemison, uh, Katherine Johnson. So there's so many incredible women, uh, you know, with these hidden histories. Or, I just love the word herstory. Hidden herstory that I really think you should check out if you felt inspired by today's episode. I, I'm ready to read all the books. It's just so fun. It's just it is. And it's we were, you know, talking about Why? <laughs> (laughs) To be quite frank, we were talking about why do we care about space? Why do we care about space travel? And it's true. It's like when I was little, it was NASA and it was this whole like like kind of worldly country based pride. Um, But now it is these, you know, it is this billionaire's race to space. But then when you watch the footage and you're watching it live, it's this, you know, collective it's this, this idea of dreaming. And, and that's what I feel like is that is the unifying factor of it is it's like this idea that like dreams come true and it, you know, where, you know, back in the day, it's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? An astronaut just sounds like so pun intended, but out of this world. And so to see that it can be real, it's just, um, especially at a time like this and, you know, in a summer where we're all still in this pandemic and, and, and locked in our homes and, You know, in in this time to be able to see hope is, um, you know, just people doing something that's not been done is pretty cool. And in, in an 82 year old woman, you know, achieving a 60 year dream.
3: You know, Wally Funk has this cra- crazy famous quote that says, When you have problems, go to the clouds. And I love that so much. And it's something that I'm going to take away from this that I just learned, even in our research for this episode, is there's so much meaning to that. And that can mean something different for each individual. It obviously means something different for Wally because she did end up going to the clouds and achieving her dream. But um, it's something I'm going to take away and tell myself throughout all of this. And um, there's just so much history left that we're going to continue to talk about, to learn, to make history. And, um, it's wildly inspiring. So, uh, thank you to Sue and thank you to our listeners and, um, you Candace for having this fantastic conversation today.
1: Well, thank you, Kayla. And thank you, Melissa. And guys, we're going to have an all new episode of Directionally Challenged waiting for you next week. Stay tuned. Take care of yourselves. (music) Directionally Challenged is a production of Pineapple Productions. Producer, Melissa DeMonts. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. Music by Joe King. And advertising partnership with Acast.